This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. to the second round of the playoffs already. Some of the games in the NHL have already started. There are two games on Thursday, and the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, as they always do, beat their, has now become basically their bitch in the Pittsburgh, I mean, in the Washington Capitals. Uh, it, they just dominate those guys. And then the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, if you haven't taken these guys for real yet, I don't know when you will. They romp over the San Jose Sharks, 7 nothing. But we're here to talk about the beginning of the second round for the Boston Bruins and, of course, their opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you're here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm joined by Eric Erlinson of the Tampa Bay Insider.com, formerly Tampa Tribune, was it, Eric, that you used to be with? I'm good, Murph. What's going on, buddy? Not much, my friend. Now, where were you before Tampa Bay Insider? Was it the Tribune? Yeah, I was at the Tribune for uh, almost 20 years, um, okay. and if anybody's familiar with the story of what happened at the Tribune, we were bought out by our competitor uh, on May 3rd, 2016, and immediately put out of business, so I was immediately put out of a job and uh, kind of was trying to figure out what my next step was, and with some of these sites that have popped up around, I decided to go this route, and uh, you know, it's been active for a year, it's lightninginsider.com, and it's a premium site as uh, some of the other models have kind of come up around the, uh, the country here as more and more newspaper guys kind of get pushed to the wayside. So i um, been doing this now for a little over a year and I'm uh, having a blast with it. That's great. That's great. And you know what? That's the way, like we were just saying off the air, that's the way the business is going right now. You see so many of uh, your type of sites coming up right now where you have to pay a little money, but you get really quality writing. You get experience from, you know, guys like yourself who have been in the business for a while and covering hockey for a while. So I like it. I like the model. And, uh, you know, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, my man. And, I, you know, we've known each other for a while. And, Eric, of course, I think back to the 2011 Eastern Conference Final. What a gem that was between the Bruins and the Lightning. Of course, that unreal Game 7 where did – we, did we have one penalty or was there none in that Game 7? I forget. There were no penalties. That was no it. No penalties, penalties and, uh, right, in a, in a playoff game. Lightning right. fans still talk about that to this day because that was a big weapon for the Lightning in that, uh, in that whole playoff series uh, was their power play, and they didn't get one opportunity in that game, which, you know, on some levels you're okay with, right? Like, let them play. Let the boys figure it out on the ice. Don't let the referees get in the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, you, you like that. But at the same time, I mean, if there's a penalty, you got to call it. But uh, we won't even get into what the officiating, in my opinion, has been like in this uh, first round of the playoffs so far. It's just so inconsistent, but we could spend a whole podcast on that. Let's get right into it. These are top two teams in the Eastern Conference facing off here in the second round. I kind of prefer that it was the conference final, but that's the way things are set up. We can't change it right now. And 
this looks like, I mean, the Bruins beat them in a season series three. I think they were 3-1-0 and against them. Uh, but that's all out the door when the playoffs starts. And, Eric, this, this looks like this could easily be a seven-game series again between these two teams. Uh, I do. Uh, and, and if you look at the – you know, you can't really take a whole lot out of, out of those regular season meetings, but you can kind of pick on some trends here and there. And they were pretty much close games. There were some games where, you know, the first meeting the Bruins absolutely dominated the Lightning. They were coming off the end of a, a back-to-back game. And uh, it was a 3-2 game, but it was really uh, – it wasn't even that close when you look at it. Uh, but the scores themselves have been relatively close. And I think that's what we have to expect in this series. I think the way Tampa played in the first round against New Jersey – uh, they really played a strong defensive game. They, you know, they, they're a team that can be prone to be impatient, and they were so patient in that series. They, they played their structure uh, very well. They didn't allow Jersey to capitalize on turnovers, which is something that Boston did to Tampa during the regular season. They really, really forced uh, Tampa into making bad puck decisions, and that ended up costing Tampa. So the way that the Lightning are playing, the way that we know the Bruins can play defensively and kind of you know, wait for teams to make mistakes, I think we have to expect, even with goal scoring up, in the playoffs so far, I think we have to expect a lot of 2-1, 3-2 games in the series. Well, I'll tell you what, in, in terms of goals and how many goals we can expect, uh, it wasn't exactly the best series for Tuka Rass up here in Boston against the Leafs. Uh, he was average at best. Uh, he comes in actually with the, the worst start stats out of any goalie in the second round now. Um, but And he's just been a lightning rod up here. I'm sure you've seen the stuff on Twitter. But uh, let's talk about the goalie in Tampa right now and, and what Vasilevsky's looked like so far. And they tried toward the net, deflected, puffed in front, and a save by Vasilevsky at the goal line, and Haglund gets a found Haglund. He thought he had a goal, but Vasi denies him. You know, he's, he's seen playoff action before, of course. He was thrown into the fire uh, a few years back there when they made their run to the, the final, but, you know, what has he been like now that he's the man in the playoffs? He, he's Well, he's been the same. He really has. Uh, you know, it's his first year, four years uh, as the number one guy. Uh, he kind of took over in the second half of last year when Ben Bishop was traded and, and they, they turned the team over to him. He was fantastic down the second half, almost snuck him in the back door in the playoffs last year, missing out by a point. Uh, started out lights on fire this year. Uh, admitted in the second half of the season as his numbers went down that he was still adjusting to be at the number one in terms of the mental fatigue and, and that kind of stuff that goes with it. But just like this team, it has been a reset button for the postseason. Uh, and, and Vasilevsky's right in that mix in terms of that. He, is, he has come in with a, a calm demeanor. Uh, he didn't have to stand on his head against New Jersey. Uh, he came up with the key saves when he had to come up with them. Uh, he stopped Patrick Maroon on a breakaway in, in game four when the game was still close. So he's come up with those type of saves when you need him to do it. But he has a lot of experience to fall back on. As you mentioned, he was thrust into the Stanley Cup final as a 20-year-old uh, a couple years ago in 2015 when Ben Bishop was hurt. He actually had to come in in relief of game two, won that game in relief, had to start in game four in Chicago, which is not an easy place to go into and, and make your start. And then in 2016, he started the final six games of the conference finals against Pittsburgh because Ben Bishop was hurt once again. So he's got that to fall back on. Uh, and we've seen that sort of calm, cool, collected guy uh, who doesn't, there's not a lot of wasted movement. He can make the acrobatic save when he has to, uh, but he's a very, very technical guy, a very athletic guy. I don't think I've seen many goalies get quicker post to post than Vasilevsky can do it. And, you know, that's, that's a strength of this team is, is him. He is the backbone uh, of everything that they've done. And he's a Vezina finalist for a reason.
Let me ask you this too. I mean, there was that point, you know, you said he had some ups and downs this year, but mostly up, but he did say when, you know, to the media, uh, I'm drained or whatever it was. I forget the exact quote where he admitted fatigue and, you know, you looked at it and it didn't, maybe some of it got lost in translation there, but a lot of people took it the wrong way. Was there any talk or worries that mentally he wouldn't be able to handle the playoffs? And, and you know, is that out the door now as we go into the second round? Yeah, there was no concern about that. Um, you know, they, they made a conscious effort down the stretch to kind of give him some time off. Uh, they had three goalies here. Uh, Peter Budai was here basically as the third goalie. He got hurt in December, and Louis Domingue came up and, and served as a backup and kind of basically took that job away from Peter Budai. So they utilized the fact that they had three goalies here and would give Vasilevsky a morning skate off. They would give him a practice off. The uh, regular season finale was in Carolina. They didn't even put Vasilevsky on the plane. They told him to stay home and, and you know, sleep in your own bed and you know, let's get ready for next week when the playoffs start. So that's gone out the window. Um, he looks refreshed. Uh, he does not look like he's uh, mentally fatigued. And, you know, he is a young kid who doesn't speak English very well. He is still learning. So you can see that sometimes if he's, if he's fatigued, he won't be able to think in English very uh -huh. well. He's done very well in terms of speaking to the media uh, in that first round series where he could kind of get his thoughts together and be able to convey that from Russian to English. And that, that, that to me, that's a sign that his, mentally he's in a good place. I hear you. You know, of course, we're going to hear a lot about Stamkos and Kucherov, uh, you know, and obviously those are the, the superstars there. But for some of the Bruins fans who maybe aren't so familiar with some of the up-and-coming players, who's a guy right now, whether it's based on what you saw in the first round or, you know, a combination of that and the season, uh, a guy that was hot down the stretch, who's a guy maybe that we should keep an eye on, sort of a sleeper player? there's two guys you need to keep an eye on. One of them is Braden Point, and it's hard to call a 30-goal scorer a sleeper kind of player, but he does get overlooked because of some of the star power that this team has. Coleman with a try. Point wants it, gets it. He toe-drags, shoots, scores! Oh, unbelievable! Braden Point wins the game in overtime! An incredible move! Braden Point's going to get the Bergeron matchup. It's going to be that for as much as John Cooper can get him out on the ice together. He's their shutdown center. Even as a 30-goal scorer, he is their shutdown guy. Uh, so you don't hear a lot about Braden Point, but he's a very smart. Um, he, he plays on the power play. He's one of the pe top penalty kill guys. He does it all for this team. So that's the guy to keep, keep an eye on. And the other one is, is a kid by the name of Tony Sorelli. Neil Clegg rewinds. Sorelli waits, fires again, scores! Anthony Sorelli! Uh, he came up late in the year. He's a former third-round draft pick a couple of years. He's won a Memorial Cup with Oshawa. Uh, he was back in the Memorial Cup last year in, in a trade at, uh, uh, with Erie. Uh, so he's back in the Memorial Cup. So he's got a lot of experience. He's played on uh, Team Canada's World Junior Team in Canada, which we all know is a very probably one of the most pressure-packed situations you can ever be in in hockey oh, yeah. uh, is that situation. Uh, so he's handled all that. Um, and he's come up. He came up late in March, and he's been fantastic. He, He's, a, he's, he's like Braden Point 2.0. He's a very smart defensive player. <laughs> use him on penalty kills a lot. He can, he can be a shutdown kind of guy, even at the age of 20. That's how much they think of him. Uh, but those are the two guys that, you know, look beyond Stamkos, look beyond Kucherov, look beyond Hedman. It's Sorelli and Point that you want to keep an eye on in this series uh, from a lightning perspective. All right. We will remember that. And, of course, on D, uh, our eyes are going to be focused on Victor Hedman for sure. What a season he's had. Uh, but then, you, you know, this isn't just a Victor Hedman defense. I mean, obviously they brought in Ryan McDonough um, at, the, at the deadline there. I want to ask you quickly, 
first, how has he adapted? How has he filtered? And I know he was hurt, uh, Eric, when he first arrived in Tampa at the deadline. He was still injured. But as he got into the lineup there, how has he fit in? It, it did take him a little bit. There's no doubt. Um, he was injured at the time of the, uh, of the trade. Uh, he'd been out actually for three weeks before that. He missed another week and a half after the trade before he even got here. Uh, so you're going not only from a, a new setting, you're coming into a new system when you've never been traded in your career. Uh, and it did take a while. That's why he was paired with Dan Girardi for a good portion uh, of his first couple of weeks back in the lineup because it was a familiar partner from their days with the Rangers all those years they played together in New York. And once he kind of got familiar with it, they, they separated those two. They put McDonough with Anton Sprawlman. Those two have been sort of the shutdown pair, uh, at least in the first round. They saw a lot of the matchups against Taylor Hall in that series against the Devils. And Ryan McDonough looks like the Ryan McDonough I think a lot of us expected to see when the trade was happening. He's very calm under pressure. He's really good around his own net in, in terms of blocking out and, and getting bodies out of the way. He's obviously a really good shot blocker. Uh, and he's, he's, he's brought in some offense. He had four assists in that first round. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and doing that against Taylor Hall's line, uh, that's, He's been, he's been a perfect fit once he settled in and figured out the system and how they wanted to play because it is a little different here. They really want their D up. They really want their gap control in the neutral zone. Uh, those have become some of the things that maybe were a little bit different than what he played in New York. But once he started to figure out how they wanted him to play, he's been a, it's been a seamless fit since then. How about Sergachev? Uh, he had a great start to the season. It seemed maybe he hit some bumps, and that's going to happen with a young uh, player such as him. But – uh, you know, obviously this guy was a key part uh, coming over from Montreal and the uh, Druan trade there. But how has he handled uh, the playoffs thus far? He's been fine. You know, they've really picked their spots with him. He, he doesn't see the ice a ton. Uh, I believe his average ice time was around 10 minutes, and some of that was boosted up because Dan Girardi missed the third period uh, of game two. Uh, so Sergeyev had to play a little bit more. But, uh, you know, everything that they've asked him to do, he's done well, and he's got – you know, he's got the size. He's got the NHL size for a defenseman. Um, he's got the offensive skills. I mean, the way this guy can walk the puck on the blue line is to be able to pull some of the stuff off at the age of 19 like he's done. He can be a wizard back there on, on the blue line. Uh, but it's obviously in his own end that you always worry about with a young defenseman, especially now you're starting to, it's going to get ramped up a little bit. It, it's a big difference going from round one to round two. The opponents are much different, uh, much tougher opponents. Uh, the Bruins are compared to the Devils. Uh, I imagine they're going to pick their spots with him again. I think he'll get some of the shifts, or Victor Hedman will probably get some of the shifts that Sergachev would come up in the rotation. So they'll pick their spots with him. They'll be careful with him. But he's handled everything they've asked him to do. He's handled very well, and he's only going to get better uh, as he gets a little bit older. And you know, in a couple of years, he's going to be a, a top four guy for sure. Hey, you know, I was thinking today, and uh, you know, I, I hope I hope it doesn't happen, but um, it seems like every time you know. Steven Stamkos is in TD Garden. Something happens to the poor guy. Is, is, he, is he afraid of going into this arena or what? I'll tell you what. The stuff that that guy has been through, I don't think he's afraid to go in anywhere. Uh, but you're <laughs> right. You go back to game seven of the, the 11 conference final, yeah. he took the puck off the nose. And, like, I remember interviewing him after that game. And, you know, they're, they're wearing the road whites. And he's talking to us. And there's still just blood. Just, it's like a faucet just steadily dripping out of his nose even after the end of the game. And it gets all over his white jersey. And, uh, you know, and then obviously the, the unfortunate situation with the broken leg that cost him a lot of time and cost him a spot on the Canadian uh, Olympic team that year. Mm -hmm. um, it, it has not been kind to him. Let's face it, as a franchise, TD Garden has not been a, a friend 
to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They don't win there very often, and that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on in this series as well. Is can the can Tampa Bay find a way to win a game or two in TD Garden? Because history says they're going to have a hard time doing it. And I mean, do you think that stuff? Uh, they're going to tell us no, Eric, right? But do you think for the veterans that stuff does stand out in their mind? I don't think so because I, I guess in a little bit, you know, maybe maybe it's an, a little bit of an intimidation factor. But you know, this is also the same team that in 2015 walked into Madison Square Garden in Game yeah. Seven of the Conference Finals, and all the history that the Rangers had, all the history that Henrik Lundqvist had in Game Seven, he had never lost a Game Seven, and you know, this team has some swagger. They have some belief in themselves, and they went into that game in 2015 and said, "Well, guess what." Henrik Lundqvist has never played the 2015 Tampa Bay Lightning in this situation. So, you know, they, they do have some of that swagger about them. And, uh, so maybe there's a slight intimidation, but I think once the puck drops, you know, I, I think all that stuff goes out the window and it, it's game on. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, quickly before we let you go, Eric, and I mean, we got to get a prediction as well and why you're going to make that prediction. <laughs> but, um, you know, you look at John Cooper and just the job he's done since he's hot behind that bench. What's been your take on him this year? How much has he changed maybe uh, since we, we first saw him come into the NHL, and how has that helped the team? Uh, experience is just a great teacher. He's learned to handle situations uh, maybe better than he had in the past. And, you know, last year was different from him. I think last year was kind of an eye-opener for John Cooper because in his coaching career, he never missed the playoffs at any level he'd ever been at. And, in fact, he's won a, a championship at every level he's ever coached at outside of the NHL, and he's already been to a Stanley Cup final. So I think last year was, was I don't want to say humbling, but an eye-opener on, on how to deal with some things that maybe weren't going your way when he's had so much success throughout his career. Now he knows how to handle the situations. And if there's a bump in the road, he, like to give you the best example, the game here between Boston and Tampa on March 17th, where the Bruins just absolutely manhandled uh, the Lightning for the second time this year. It was late in the year. There were already some concerns about the Lightning and the way they were playing. And walks into his post-game, post-game press conference in an upbeat mood. You know, he understood what happened, but he wasn't going to let affect much of anything. And he just kind of, he didn't blow it off, so to speak, but he understood that it was one game. And look, now we have something to fix. So I, I think in, the, in, in those sort of aspects, is an area where John Cooper has certainly grown and matured as a head coach at this level. I hear you, my friend. Well, listen, before we let you go, we do have to get a prediction here. Um, and, you know, I like we said off the top, I really feel like this one's going at least six, if not seven. Um, who do you like in this and why? Uh, you know what? Uh, towards the end of the regular season, I might have said Boston could probably take this, this series pretty easily just based on the way that we saw these two teams face off against each other late in the season. But just watching the Bruins over the final week or so, watching the Bruins in that series against Toronto, I think if Tampa can utilize their speed uh, better than the Toronto Maple Leafs did in that series and kind of get their forecheck going and make Boston play in their own end a little bit more, I think, I think Tampa can win this series. I think they can do it in seven. Um, uh, it's probably going to go seven. It's, 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 the teams are so close. But I think that slight edge uh, in terms of the speed and the ability for Tampa to forecheck, much as they did in that final regular season meeting between these two teams, I think that can end up being a difference, and I think Tampa in seven. You, you bring up that final regular season game there, right? And, you know, that was interesting. Like, like we said, they, I think it was only a couple weeks before that the Bruins had, had beat them pretty handedly up in Boston. Tuka Raska yep. got into it with Conacher, and, you know, it was almost like <laughs> the Bruins were stomping their chest saying, we're the beasts of the East here. How much did that game mean to them in terms of sending that message back to the Bruins? And 
And how much, you know, as this season's gone on and it's, it's appeared more and more that, like, these two were going to end up battling it out in the playoffs and, you know, they were the best knees. You know, what was that like to be able to take that game for the Lightning in terms of confidence? I think it meant a lot. Uh, they, they won't say it. Just as the uh-huh. Bruins didn't say that they sent a message in that March 17th meeting that was 3 nothing in, in Boston's favor, um, you know, they just said this is the way we want to play. And I, I think Tampa looked at it the same way. But I think internally, I think if you ask them uh, away from the recorders and, and the microphones and everything like that, I think they tell you it meant a lot because it, it showed that, you know, they could play playoff hockey too. You know, this is our brand of playoff hockey. So if you see us in the postseason, this is the way that we can play, and we know that it can beat you. So uh, I think it meant a lot to the coaches. I think it meant a lot to the players. And I think it meant a lot to Andre Vasilevsky, who ended up pitching the shutout in that game um, at, at a time where, you know, he was being questioned on his goals and, and the number of goals that were going in against this team. Uh, so I, I, it, that, deep down, I think it really meant something to this team to win that game on, uh, you know, right before the end of the regular season. Yeah, I'm with you. And, I, you know, like, you're, like you said, they're not going to say it, but I just felt like that too when I watched that game. I was like, eh. they just kind of got the swagger they needed heading into the playoffs. So we'll see if the Bruins can regain it there. You like them in seven. I'm going to go with the Bruins in six. I'll tell you, though, I'm not too confident in that. And the only reason I'm doing it, <laughs> the only reason I'm doing it is because it seems every time I pick against these guys, they make me look like an idiot. So uh i'm gonna just learn my lesson i guess and 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 take them but like this one's gonna it's so tough i'm just looking forward to a great series here and eric hopefully we will cross paths when you're up here in boston we'll uh we'll get together and have a pop all right all right thanks murph i appreciate it buddy that sounds good that's eric erlinson of tampabayinsider.com joining me here on the bruins beat on clns media we'll talk to you again next week behind still trying to keep possession rubbed out there by kevin miller Right back ahead, it's DeBrusque with a step. DeBrusque trying to get it ready, score!